everyone. Welcome back to the show. You're listening to Firearms Cafe. I'm your host, Tony Brown. Today is Sunday, the 21st of November, 2010. show we're going to be talking about some of the TSA stuff that's going on. Uh, before I jump into that, uh, I've had a little bit of a cold. I'm kind of recovering from that, so uh, my voice may sound a little off. I may be breathing a little heavy, so hopefully you'll bear with me on that front. I'll try and mitigate it as much as I can. We'll talk a little bit about TSA today. We will also talk a little bit, uh, if we have time at the end of the show, which I think we will, uh, about what I had talked about on my last mini-episode, which was uh, something that an economist who was on Charlie Rowe, some of the uh, things that they were talking about uh, that's happening over in England, some, uh, some new concepts and things like that. Now, let's see. Let's go ahead and let's do our... Contact info, let's get that out of the way. You can contact me a couple of different ways. We do have the fan page over on uh, Facebook. Uh, I also have my personal page under Tony Brown. Um, I don't put too much stuff on there, but if, you, if you're if you friending me or following me, um, you can see maybe some of the comments and things that I do. Uh, I've been d- getting a little bit more active there. Uh, especially with some of the stuff that's been going on here recently. Now, um, so you can go over there. You can contact me there at Facebook. If you want to call into the show and leave a comment, uh, you can reach me at the voicemail. Now, I also use this voicemail for my other podcast, The Armed Ape. Uh, so if it's going to be for Firearms Cafe, just in, in the message somewhere, just say, oh, this is for uh, either The Armed Ape or for Firearms Cafe. The number to call there is 206 206- Three three nine three two six six. Again, that number is area code two zero six three three nine three two six six. And I would I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to get some of your opinions on uh, on what's going on with uh, TSA. Also, if you want to contact me through the uh, through the website, really the only way to do that because I've I've disabled um, being able to leave comments and things over there. It just you just get deluged with spam so uh, if you want to send me an email go ahead and do that at firearmscafe at gmail.com all one word firearmscafe at gmail.com and uh, if you wanted to uh, record an mp3 and email that to me that'd be fine Uh, or if you just want to send in an email and have me read something on the air for you that I'll, I'll be more than happy to do that uh, also, over at the forums, over at Gun Rights Radio uh, forums, you can contact me over at the Firearms Cafe section. You can send personal messages through there. Uh, realistically, though, if you're if you're kind of wanting to just drop in a quick email, the best way to do that is probably through the Firearms Cafe at gmail.com address. Uh, I, I check that uh, pretty regular. Uh, now, uh, having said that, this last week I wasn't really on there too much. Because I've been uh, been down with the illness and all that stuff. So now that we've got our uh, contact info out of the way, let's go ahead and and talk about 
some of the stuff that's been happening with TSA. And uh, let's just jump right in. What we're really seeing is an erosion of our of our freedoms, a an erosion of our rights. Um, we're seeing that we're being treated like cattle. We're being treated like slaves. Um, we are being told this is for your own good. We know better than you. You just need to shut up and take it. And we're, we're getting to the point where because of things like the internet, because of things like YouTube, we have almost instant information. And by that I mean I can, I can be going through the airport and go through checkpoint security at noon and I can take a video of what happened on my phone once I get through security. Uh, a lot of the places where you wait at the gates has well, has Wi-Fi. I can then take that video, upload it to my YouTube account, and it can be out on the internet probably within 15-20 minutes, depending on how quick I could get through the rest of security. So we really have pretty much almost instant, instantaneous reporting, uh, especially with things like you know the uh, the iPhones and the Androids, um, the technology. In, in this case, um, is really benefiting us. Uh, I, I'm not a, a technophobe or anything like that. Um, and I do think this, this is what kind of the internet can be used for at its, when it's at its best. Uh, it's for the dissemination of information. You know, when we look at things like the First Amendment to the Constitution, a lot, well, let me just go ahead and read out what that is. It says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right of the people to peaceably assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Now, a lot of times that part of or abridging the freedom of speech or of the press we tend to think of that in terms of news agencies. But really what that meant was, and, and what the intent of that, uh, from my opinion, and if I'm 100% if I'm wrong, please somebody correct me, but my interpretation of that means that we as the people can disseminate information. Uh, it means that it's not just something that is uh, protection that is... Uh, given to a, a news agency or a newspaper, uh, which they had at the time, of course. But it's for the people that would allow me, as an individual citizen, to go to a place, uh, let's say a guy who was a printer, and had a, uh, a printing press, and I could print up pamphlets, and I could distribute those pamphlets to the people, saying, hey, this is my political views, or this is this, this is that. And I have the freedoms to do that. And what we're seeing is, currently, the government does not like the Internet. Um, most governments don't, and not just here in America. Uh, because, and in other countries we see, that there are a lot of restrictions. If we look at China, we see that there are a lot of uh, restrictions that the government places on the people for them to be able to go onto the web. 
Whether those get circumvented or not is, is another subject. Uh, but in this country, right now we pretty much still have freedom of the press with freedom of, of the internet. Uh, we can disseminate information. There's not a lot of checks and balances. There's no government agency that I have to go through. Now, granted, we are all going through private companies. And by going through those private companies, we agreed uh, maybe to do certain things. Um, but for the most part, those private companies let us do whatever we want. Uh, they, they don't really regulate content much. And so this is something that our government, and again, all world governments, but our government, and especially this administration, doesn't like. They really don't like the freedom of information. They don't like the fact that person A can see something and can have it out to the rest of the world as soon as they can get it to a computer and get it uploaded and get it on the net. Uh, and in some cases, that can be, again, like we were talking about before, with the new phones, smartphones, and all this other stuff, that can be pretty much as done as, as soon as you're done recording, you can ship it off. Um, and, and we see with this current administration, we see that there's a lot of uh, pushes to regulate and control the internet. And again, these are all first steps and things that we need to look at, things that we need to be aware of. Uh, if if the government can pick and choose which of the which parts of the Constitution that it's going to uphold and uh, when it's going to uphold them because it's convenient for them or because it serves a, a purpose and when it does serve their purpose that they can ignore certain certain things in the Constitution well then they'll do that and that's what we're seeing now we're seeing that a lot so if they can ignore the first, they can ignore the fourth. If they can ignore the fourth, they can certainly ignore the second. We've made a lot of inroads and victories as pertaining to the Second Amendment, but we always have to be vigilant. We have to be on top of things. And, and uh, kind of like we had, and I know I'm getting off a little bit here, but we'll get back to TSA here in a second. We've had a regime change. But like I said before, now is the start. Now is when that change can really start. We have to all get involved. We have to call them. We have to write them. We have to go down and see them and say, hey, these are some of the things I want you to get working on. And we need to contact them. If it's important to you, you need to probably contact them, I would say, at least once a month and say, hey, how are we doing on such and such? And part of that responsibility, though, too, is you need to be informed on what's going on. Or if you have questions about things, you need to contact that person's office. And you may not, look, you may not get to talk to, uh, you know, John McCain. Or you may not get to talk to Ron Paul. But you, you'll probably get to talk to somebody in their office. And you can say, hey, I had a question about this. Can you clarify this for me? And even with doing that, you're basically showing participation and involvement. You're showing that you are educating yourself, that you're awake and that your eyes are open, and that you're not going to be led by the nose, and you're not going to quietly stand in line with your head down, saying, do whatever you need to do, Master. I'll comply.
Now getting back to uh, the TSA thing, there's been tons of videos out there. There are things all over uh, YouTube, all over uh, things like Facebook. Um, there was one particular video uh, that was put up by a guy, and um, I, I would drop in the sound here, um, but it, you really need to sort of see the visual. Also, you need to kind of read what this guy who um, who posted the video what he um, what he wrote in his thing. Now, uh, the the channel that I see is Luke M. M-T-A-I-T apostrophe S channel, so uh, L-U-K-E-M-T-A-I-T apostrophe S. And I'll put a link of it in the show notes over at the website. So please go to the website, look at some of these links, and, and watch some of these videos. Um, what the guy writes in his, in, in his description, uh, and, and the, uh, the title of his video is Young Boy Strip Searched by TSA. And he had put this up on November 19th, so uh, again, just a couple of days ago. So this is what the gentleman wrote in the, uh, in the video description. He writes, let's get the facts straight first. Before the video started, the boy went through a metal detector and didn't set it off, but was selected for a pat-down. The boy was shy, so the TSA couldn't complete the full pat on the young boy. The father tried several times to just hold the boy's arms out for the TSA agent, but I guess it didn't end up being enough for the guy. I was about 30 feet away, so I couldn't hear their conversation if there was any. The enraged father pulled his son's shirt off and gave it to the TSA agent to search. That's when this video begins. Uh, so again... Please go over to the website or, or, or just go to YouTube and uh, look up this video. You know, how far are we willing to go? Um, I had thought that at one point a bit of, the, the kids weren't going to be uh, patted down and searched. I guess that's, that's not the case. I guess they changed their mind on that. If that was ever the case, I don't know. This whole situation reminds me of a quote of Benjamin Franklin. And this quote is oftentimes, I don't want to say misquoted or, or really misrepresented, but it's oftentimes paraphrased. And uh, in, in paraphrasing it, it loses much of its power. It loses much of its, of its core meaning. And the paraphrase of, of his quote goes something like this. Those that would give up freedom for security, deserve neither. Now, what his actual quote is, quote, they that can give up essential liberty to obtain a little temporary safety deserve neither safety nor liberty. And you may say, well, what's, what's really the big difference there? And the big difference there is that there is a lot more meaning and power in his direct quote. Uh, if we look at just some of the words, he talks about essential liberty. And we may say, well, what does essential mean? Essential means you got to have it. If, if we read it out of the dictionary, it's indispensable, it's necessary. Meaning, 
You need it. You have to have it. And if you're willing to give up something that you need, that, that, that is, a, that is a, a essential freedom for you to, to be a, a sovereign individual, for you to be in charge of your own destiny, of your own fate, for you to really be able to make decisions about yourself, if you're willing to give up something that is essential, to get a little temporary safety from somebody else. And we all know what temporary means. Temporary means it's going to go away. And what Franklin is talking about is that if you're willing to do that, if you're not willing to stand up and say no, no further, I won't do that. And if by saying I won't do that means you don't fly, or that means that you call your congressman every day and you say, this stuff needs to stop. This needs to be reined in. Then you're not, you're not giving it up. Now I know some people out there don't, they really don't see it as a big deal. Uh, I do. I, 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 I think this is a, a sign of, of a much bigger problem that we have in this country. But anyway, let's, let's talk again about what he said, temporary safety. When you're talking about temporary safety, that means that safety isn't going to last forever. So the things that we did today, the liberties that you gave up today to make you safe, well, they only kept you safe for a couple of weeks or a couple of months or a couple of years. But now, you know what? Now we need to take a little bit more to give you a little bit more safety. And this will get you through another couple of days, another couple of weeks, another couple of months, another couple of years. But you'll be safe. But at the end of that time, we'll need to take a little bit more of your freedom. We'll need to take a little bit more of your ability to make your own decisions, of your ability to control yourself, your body, to control the situations that you and your family will be in. And this is stuff we really need to think about. And I know some people out there will agree with me 100%. I know some people out there will say I'm, I'm way off base and I'm overreacting. This is how this stuff begins. We've, we've made so many strides, especially in the Second Amendment, especially in the state that I live in, in Arizona. We've got constitutional carry. So now in this country we've got, as far as the Second Amendment and as far as the individual law-abiding citizen is concerned. We now have three semi-free states. Still got a long way to go. But as far, again, as the Second Amendment is concerned, with at least being able to carry a weapon, got about three free states. And the rest, we stand in line, we bow our head, we put our hands out, and we say, please, Master,
Not very fun to think about, is it? I know things come incrementally. I understand that. But when you see over and over and over again that the more freedom you give people, the better it is. The better things turn out. That doesn't mean that bad things aren't going to happen. Bad things, crime, injustice, things that are unfair, they're always going to happen. There is no utopia. There can be no utopia. There never will be a utopia. And even if there was, let's say that there was a world where there was no violence. Everybody was nice to everybody. Nobody was envious of the possessions or the positions that people have. Nobody got upset because all decisions were fair and equal. Some people would say, well, you see, in that utopian world, in that scenario, there is no need for a gun. And I would say, well, in a utopian society like that, it wouldn't matter if everybody had a gun. It wouldn't matter if people had rocket launchers and machine guns and hand grenades because nobody would use them to harm another person. Nobody would use them to intimidate another person. Nobody would use them in a manner that that wasn't just for enjoyment, for going out and shooting. So in a perfect utopian society... You could have tanks. People could drive a tank. People could shoot off surface-to-air missiles just to watch them explode in the sky. Wouldn't be any difference between a Scud and a pop bottle rocket. But I don't think we're ever going to have a utopian society. People are people. We are what we are. But we see that, again, things get better when you give the decent people more freedoms. And there is a risk. We often say that things that freedom isn't free, it comes at a price. And that, a lot of times, we relate that to a military setting. Meaning that we've had people that have gone out and laid down their lives and fought and died so that we can have freedom here and in other countries as well. But sometimes the cost of freedom is having to accept the fact that there is some risk to life. You can't just live in a little box your whole life and never venture outside. And that's what we're doing. We're slowly building a gigantic box around ourselves because we're limiting our freedoms. We're saying we're not willing to take a risk. We're not willing to understand that freedom comes at a price and that some of us are going to get hurt. Some of us aren't going to make it. But in reality, none of us make it out of here alive. So anyway, let's get back to a little bit of this uh, dog and pony show that we're seeing with this TSA stuff. You know, years ago, 
when I first got out of college. I uh, had a friend, and her uncle worked for one of the independent contractors. I think it was called Allied Security or Security Alliance or something anyway. I don't remember the name of it. But uh, I was looking for some work, and she said, well, hey, my uncle runs this thing down at the airport, and you do checkpoint security. Uh, the pay was terrible, and uh, you were treated kind of like dirt. <laughs> now, there still was TSA, uh, and at, at the airport that I worked at, this was at the Phoenix International Airport at the time, uh, at the time, I think there were three terminals, and uh, Terminal 1 was a very small, Terminal 2 was a little bit bigger, Terminal 3 was uh, uh, was a pretty big, was the, was the biggest at the time. And I actually worked in, you could work at any terminal, um, there would be two or three different checkpoints at each terminal, and at, at certain ones you had were done by TSA, others were done by this Allied Security. Uh, and uh, so you may have a TSA checkpoint in Terminal 3. You, you're also going to have maybe a separate checkpoint to go to different gates, and that may be run by Allied. So you can end up working at any terminals. I primarily worked at Terminal 2, which was about the medium-sized one. And it had the X-ray machines, and it had the metal detectors, and uh, there was an area on the side, you know, much like uh, pretty much the setup is the same today. Um, and all that, and I worked there, oh, I don't know, six, seven months, something like that, before I moved on to something else. But in all that time, there was never uh, a bomb that, that, that was even seen. There was never uh, any, really even any contraband stuff, some, some stuff. You know, I, I think at that time maybe they said, uh, and this is of course years before 9-11, uh, you couldn't take a scissors if they were something over like 7 or 8 inches long. And it was the same with a knife. You couldn't take a knife if it was, you know, maybe over, uh, I can't remember, it may have even been 3 or 4 inches. So you could take something like... Uh, if you guys are familiar with a with a buck knife, uh, the 110s, you could take something. You could even take something like that. In fact, as a kid, I remember flying with stuff like that when I was younger. Uh, but we never, and I, and we, and we never stopped anything, any contraband, really, any something that would be dangerous from going through. There was one time where a lady had had a gun in her purse. And I think she just literally forgot. Uh, she was so used to carrying it, she went through. Um, unfortunately for her, it wasn't a very good day. I don't know the outcome of it. Um, but the police came. And in fact, I was on the x-ray machine at the time. And you could see it clear as day. And so we stopped it. We And then, uh, you know, you had certain procedures that you had to do. You, so uh, you, Usually there was a police officer... Uh, you know when you're coming out from your flight and you go, you walk past checkpoint security. Usually there's a, at that time, there was a police officer that would stand there. And that way if somebody needed to come by in a wheelchair, if you had a problem, you know, they were there. Um, but 
so the police, luckily the police were over there. I motioned the guy over and said, hey, this is such and such. And I said, I don't. And she was like, oh, my God, I forgot. I, you know, And uh, I, I think at that time she was just maybe going down to the gate to pick somebody up. Uh, I don't think she was a passenger. Because at that time, again, uh, now, of course, only ticketed passengers go uh, beyond the checkpoint in most airports. Which is, uh, I don't really have a problem with because it, it, it cuts down on congestion down there. Uh, but at the time she was going to go through and meet somebody at the gate and uh, I even said to the guy I said I she doesn't seem like you know she was trying to smuggle this in I think she really forgot and he's like well unfortunately uh, we need to go talk to her so they they kind of took her off and the whole time she was protesting oh blah 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 whether she got charged or not I don't know at the time bringing a firearm passed Checkpoint security um, was a uh, $10,000 fine, I believe. So I don't know whether she got fined or if she got arrested or what happened. I know she was at least detained for a while. But really, in all that time, um, even something like that was very, very rare. You, you didn't really hear about, uh, occasionally you'd hear, oh, so-and-so at the other terminal, somebody tried to bring a gun through. And, and usually it was something that maybe somebody didn't know or they had were going down to meet a passenger, much like what happened with this lady. But, uh, I mean, we even then it was still a dog and pony show. Uh, we, now we would stop contraband and things coming through all the time, but what would happen is the airlines would actually send their employees down and they would send a bag and they would send it through the machine or they would try and get somebody through the other side or something, you know, the, the walkthrough side. And, um, again, you could always, you could catch the stuff, but they would have fake bombs, they would have, you know, gigantic knives or they would have a, um, it would be a dummy gun, it wouldn't be a real firearm. Uh, and then you would catch them and stuff and that. And, and there were checks and balances. And I don't know that we really see that with, with TSA today. Uh, but, you know, again, it was a private, these were private companies. And I think things were run probably a little better. Um, there wasn't a sense of you're, you know, some agent or you're some government thing. And so you, you have all this authority. Um, you see a lot of disdain. Uh, especially in in the video of the little boy getting getting searched, he's a tiny little kid, and there's like three or four of them that are standing around in front of him, kind of like mad dogging him. Um, ridiculous. And uh, but anyway. Back then, another interesting thing, uh, now most, depending on where you go, but most of the, the luggage now is x-rayed, pretty much with it when it's checked on and stuff like that. Uh, back then, nothing was x-rayed, and um, only if it was an international flight, if, you, if your stuff was, if you were going to go, let's say, to Canada or England or something like that, only then would your bags be x-rayed. Which never, I never really understood that, and that never made much sense to me, like why they would do something like that.
like why you wouldn't just do them all. And I guess at the time, maybe it was a thing of, uh, it was probably cost prohibitive, I don't know. But anyway, uh, I don't think we really made anything safer. I don't think uh, what we did there prevented really any major catastrophes. And I think it's the same thing now. Some people would disagree. I, I think the majority probably wouldn't. I think the majority understand this is just circus. It's just a show. Um, if look, they, they've already. I don't think they're going to use planes again to fly into buildings. I think if if I was going to do something at an airport, or I really wanted to strike fear, and. and don't be ignorant and say what I'm going to say would give somebody an idea or you just gave a terrorist an idea. If you feel that after what I say, you need to turn this show off and not listen to it anymore. Because there's no hope for you. But anyway, if I wanted to cause terror at an airport, I would simply get a uh, get my car... And, uh, well, let's take it even back. Let's say if I'm an organization and I wanted to cause terror at the airports, what I would do is I would, I would have a certain day where I would organize and at a certain time, so everything would be coordinated, and I would get people to go to where they drive up and uh, where they're going to pick up passengers, where they depart, where you drop off and where you pick up. I would have several people go in with their cars. I would have the trunks filled with uh, some explosive device. It could be uh, 10 5-gallon jugs of gasoline or some other type of explosive. I don't know how to make a bomb, but I'm sure these people do. And I would go up, and on a certain day at a certain time, I would hit 10 or 15 airports across the country, and I would blow them up. Now, how do you, how do you stop something like that from happening? I don't think you could. You know, would would the answer if something like that were to happen at one airport, would the answer be now that everybody has to park a mile away from the airport and now you have to walk in? There's not going to be any cars allowed in. There won't be any taxis or won't be any buses or there will only be certain shuttle buses or stuff that you have to go and park at a thing a couple of miles away and the shuttle bus has to bring you in. And then you have to get searched at the shuttle, shuttle bus area. And then what's to prevent somebody from, from doing the same thing at the shuttle bus area? So where, you know, where does this stuff like that? And I know this is a uh, fantastical imagining, uh, you know, uh, something that's not very likely to happen. But it could happen, and if it did, what do we give up? What, what essential freedoms, what things do we need do we give up? For some temporary little stopgap measure that doesn't really do anything anyway. And that only lasts a certain amount of time until they say, Oh, now it's time for you to give something else up. For us to keep you safe. You know, ultimately we can't depend on elected officials to keep us safe. We, 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 we can depend on ourselves as humans, as individuals, as, as a people, as a society. 
there's a guy on YouTube. He's got a channel, Dimcat. I'll I'll put a link to that as well. Uh, his name is Reginald. I I like a lot of what he says. Don't agree with everything he says, but I like I like him. I think he's a decent guy. Uh, but he had a uh, a statement that he made. I don't know if it's his original thing, but uh, he was talking about elected officials, and he said, you know, hey, even Hitler was elected. So again, just because we've we've gotten a change over in government, we've got some new people in there who are newly elected and are supposed to come in there and do a lot of stuff for us we still need to watch them we still need to hold them accountable and in fact now more than ever we've got to say enough is enough this stuff has to end you need to be doing things to increase our freedoms not limit them not take away our essential freedoms things that make us ultimately human not just American but human all right, that's enough on that stuff. Uh, hopefully it didn't bore you too much, but uh, I felt it needed to be said, and uh, if nothing else, at least I feel better for having said it. Let's go ahead and take a quick musical break, and when we get back, we'll talk about some of that stuff that I had mentioned on the last show, about some of the radical new concepts that are coming out of England. Uh, the song that we're about to hear is from a band called Diablo Swing Orchestra. It's off the album. The Butcher's Ballroom, and the song is called Gunpowder Chant, and this is brought to us courtesy of Jamendo. Part of the audio that I'm going to play for you guys next is an interview from a guy. Uh, he's the editor-in-chief of The Economist magazine, uh, and his name is John Mickleth- Micklethwaite. And uh, he, he's this is a, an English magazine. And 
I found it interesting some of the things that they said uh, and I'm going to play a big chunk of the interview because a lot of the stuff that he says is, is just very interesting uh, and then once I'm done with it we'll kind of come back and we'll talk about a few of the points. So again this is off of Charlie Rose. This, this was uh, prior to the midterm elections and uh, what he talks about uh, and what I want you to pay attention is when he's talking about the the role of the state or the role of the government in people's lives. I'll go ahead and start the recording now. That brings me to this. Radical Britain, you say, the West's most daring government. I think it is. I think it's an interesting point. You could argue, this is being somewhat provocative, but you could argue that Britain is now more interesting than it has been, and this is a slight indictment to Tony Blair in some ways, is more interesting any other time since Margaret Thatcher, because you now suddenly have a government doing massively radical things in the same way as Margaret Thatcher was doing things. But those things are called austerity. It's austerity, but it's also about the big challenge. You, you look around the world, the big challenge at the moment is, there are two big challenges. One is what to do about capitalism. The other one is what to do about the state. Well, the people, strangely, who are thinking the biggest thoughts about that suddenly are back in Britain. And, and this, is, this is not a parochial point of view. It came as a slight surprise to me when I actually thought about it. But you, you look, you know, that there is not... Barack Obama has not produced any plans, really, about trying to redivide, work out exactly what the state's for them. But in terms of where... You, if you want to look at radical ideas about what to do about the state, or radical ideas in terms of deficit cutting, you're suddenly looking at Britain, and that, I think and, Britain and is interesting in that way. What are the radical ideas? I think the radical... There are two... Partly, one is just the savagery of what they're doing. They're cutting on a scale unlike any other goal. You know, they're cutting 20% out of most departments. That, that is a lot to take out. They've exempted health. And that's going to be enormously and, and, difficult and to push. some used to say in the United States, they're cutting. It's not just fat they're cutting. They're cutting uh, to the muscle. Yeah, they're, they're cutting it back in a, in a big way. Secondly, there is a sort of beginnings of a... Yeah, there is this big intellectual problem there, which we've wrestled with, endless people wrestle with, which, and you could see the Republican right, which has generally been the source of ideas on this, has not really, I think, got hold of it. All it's got is fury. But the basic idea is this. We, it's, the dealing with the state cannot just be about reducing the supply of it, you know, getting rid of departments here. You, people want... Why have we got big government pretty much everywhere? Because people want it. And it's not just the left, it's the right as well. Both people, you know, the right builds prisons, the left right. builds hospitals. Right. Neither of them are really doing much about it. What's, if if you actually have to start make, making people think about... And so all these ideas that Cameron has about devolving power down towards people, that, I think, is a radical solution. It's, and it's and how does that work, the devolving of power down to people? I think they're pushing stuff down in terms of... They're trying to hand schools over to people to run them. They're getting mayors to be locally elected. They're um, getting police chiefs to be locally elected. Again and again, they're trying to tell people, if you, if you have a problem, don't automatically turn to the state for the answer. Because the state can't afford to do the it anymore. The state can't afford to do it. And also, actually, just potentially the state isn't the right person to do it. Because if the state does it, you create an atmosphere of... Um, of, of, of now, is this because we're facing the kind of deficits that we're facing around the world, yeah. the debt explosion that is there, mean that this is, in fact, the forerunner of where I, government is going? 
I, th I think it's definitely... Even in France. You, you'll notice we called it the world's most daring government. Yes, indeed. And there are, bits, there are bits where we think they're going down the wrong path and they've, they've done, made some odd decisions. But actually, yes, they are. They, they, some, some of it is just that Britain messed up. They've inherited a fiscal deficit, which is much worse than other people. America can get away with having its deficit for a bit longer. But sooner or later, America is going to have to face this. And this is, you know, you look at the midterms. This is the great unacknowledged question. Obama has not come up with any kind of sensible medium-term plan to bring down the deficit. And to be honest, the Republicans haven't either. They've been, Paul Ryan made a half effort, but he was shouted down because just sitting there and saying we have to cut taxes, that is not a realistic way to do it. it it's got to be something big. Okay. Now, there were quite a few things that were said in there. At the very end, he mentioned a person, Paul Ryan. Uh, he's a senator, I think, from Wisconsin. I'll put a link on onto the... Uh, uh, the, the financial plan that he had in order to reduce government and get get some spending under control. And um, he had a thing called the Roadmap for America. And like I said, I'll put a link to it. You can go to his site, check it out. It's quite a lengthy uh, a lengthy thing. Um, but he, he addresses things like uh, taxes, Medicare, Social Security, uh, things like that. So if we jump back into some of the things that uh, John Micklethwaite, I believe that's how his last name is pronounced, was saying, the thing that I wanted to draw your attention to the most was they were saying that that over there that they've got, you know, spending is out of control um, and they need to figure out how to do it. And what they're doing is they're slashing budgets, they're cutting 20% out of government departments. But just doing that in and of itself alone isn't going to be enough. And you, one, you, you did notice one thing. He said that they had exempted health, their health care. And I think he probably should have added at the end of that for now. Because if, if it turns out that they need to cut it, they will. Now he also talked about, there was an interesting thing where he said that People, the, the reason that we have big government is because that's what people want. And that's, that's kind of been a philosophy that's been floating around for a long time and uh, is, is generally thought to be a truism. Um, that for a long time, the reason we have this big expansion in government is because when the expansions came and when more power was gobbled up and grabbed up, we, the people, didn't do anything about it. We didn't go in and vote the bums out. So, in, in essence, by inactivity, we get what we wanted. You know, because if, if it was something that we really didn't want, we'd go out there in mass and vote them out. And that's kind of what we saw at this last midterm. Now, of course, some of the things that he was saying, this interview happened before the midterm. And uh, one of the things that he talked about... Uh, was kind of Obama's approval rating and things like that. And he said, well, we, we really can't tell until after the midterm. So I, I think he would probably uh, would, would probably say with the, the results of this election that we just had that, that America's confidence in Obama and what he's doing has waned significantly. But getting back to what he was talking about, the 
the, uh, the the reduction? How what else do you need to do besides just maybe cutting some some departments and reducing the size of things by a certain percentage? And that's when he started talking about you know there's this radical idea of the state isn't going to take care of you, you know, and the state may not necessarily be the right person to take care of you. Um, and so the schools, are they want to look at giving the schools back. They want to look at basically putting more power back into the hands of the people. And of course this, and of course this is all one man's opinion, but this is kind of what's happening over there in their government. Now, at the same time that in England that they're wanting to make these cuts and pull back and put more power to the people, our current administration wants to do the opposite. They want to expand government. They want to spend their way out of debt, which is impossible. You cannot, there is no way to spend your way out of debt. But I, I just found it very interesting that as, as the current administration wants to lean more toward Europe, England and some of the other countries are wanting to lean more towards the way that things were done in this country, more probably if, if we go back into the 80s, into the Reagan era. Uh, basically reducing the size of government. Uh, and again, when they talked about you know pushing things back down on the people, when you do that and when the people become more responsible for themselves and say, you know what, I don't need to be on this uh, special benefit program. I don't need to be on this special entitlement thing. Then if, if that person becomes more self-sufficient and more self-reliant, and they don't rely so much on the government, then the government doesn't necessarily have to pay out and pay for that person. So you do get a reduction in, in debt. Uh, but I, again, I think a larger part of it too is, you know, it, it comes back to that kind of that pesky, uh, the free market at work. Um, so anyway, I, I just thought that was really interesting. Um, that they're they're looking to give kind of power back to the people, but you know one of the problems is, of course, in that socialist economy, and it's just like another kind of truism here is, the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money, and that's kind of what's happening over there. But you know one of the problems that I see over there is that for what how many years now uh, England has slowly eroded and taken away people's rights. They've made them more and more dependent upon the state. Uh, you know, they've, they've slowly taken their guns away and said, well, don't worry, the state will protect you. Don't worry, you can still, you know, well, you may not be able to have this uh, firearm, but you'll still be able to defend yourself. Well, they did that for a while, and then eventually that got eroded, where you're not supposed to defend yourself. You're just supposed to uh, leave the scene or get the police involved. Uh, and, and they have eroded away people's freedoms and people's individual rights over there for so long that you really do have a dependent state. And if they do go ahead with these cuts, and if they do go ahead and start pushing things back down to the people, are they going to react well to that? Uh, we saw that not too long ago there were student protests uh, about the level of education funding that was going to be getting cut, and it ended up in a riot. 
So I thought, again, just in conclusion, I thought you guys would, would find this interesting. Uh, I sure found it interesting that their radical plan, their, their plan that is so out there uh, that it's almost uh, uh, hard to believe is that they would actually ex give power back to the people and expect the people to accept responsibility for themselves, uh, which, of course, is one thing that we've been screaming about over here on this show for ever since I've been uh, uh, doing it for about the last couple of years. Uh, let's see. I think that's going to wrap it up. We're, we're going uh, past that 50-minute mark. Um, so this show kind of went a little bit longer, but I did want to kind of talk about some uh, some of those things. Uh, like I said, please go over to uh, the website and uh, check out some of those TSA links. Go onto YouTube, do a little bit of research, Google TSA stuff. And when you're watching this stuff, really sit there and, and try and think and ask yourself, is what they're doing really making it safer for us to fly? Or... Is it all smoke and mirrors? Is it all a dog and pony show? Because the reality is many of us are going to be traveling uh, over the holidays. I'm not. We're, we're staying home this time. But a lot of people are going to be flying. And with the amount of outrage and concern that is happening, uh, I don't know if there, there will be a uh, reduction in the number of people that will be flying. And, oh, a few days ago, I had made a uh, comment on Facebook basically saying that, you know, people can kind of complain a little bit here and there, but until people start opting out of, not, not necessarily opting out of of the searches and the pat-downs and stuff like that, but when, when people in mass start saying, you know what, I'm not going to fly, We'll drive this year, or we'll take a train, or we'll take a bus, but we're not going to go to the airport. And when the airlines start to see a dramatic drop in their bottom line and what in their in their profits, because the airlines, if if it's to be believed, and I, and I actually do kind of think it is, it's a very slim profit margin. Uh, it doesn't mean that they don't make a lot. Uh, they don't make a. a uh, profit they still do but it's, it's slim and things can affect them and if lots and lots of people are saying you know what i'm not going to go i'm not going to go to the airport and get on your airplane if this tsa agency is going to put me through either a nudie machine or they're going to grab my private parts and and, and you know, the guys that are out there listening to it, you think, well, some you know, some some may say, you know what, I'm a, I'm a grown man, and if somebody, you know, if they're gonna look at my junk, that's fine. If they're gonna, uh, if I have to be patted down or whatever, you know, I I can deal with that. But do you want your your mother to have to be groped and patted down? Do you want your 15 year old daughter? To have to be groped or patted down? Do you want your you know, son, who's uh, like we saw the guy in the video, your 10-year-old son, do you want three or, three or four people standing around, hovering over him, 
uh, groping him, grabbing him, putting their hands on your child? I mean, is that is that what you want? Is that what we've come to? It's it's unconscionable. Uh, well, I'm I'm starting to get a little fired up. So anyway, uh, I think we'll call it quits for today. Uh, you guys take care. I'll talk to you next time. Oh, the devil is giving him superhuman strength.